Let's go to a party. As the coronavirus pandemic has forced all of us into social distancing, Ravelo Society has come together for its season of revelry. If all our real-life parties have been put indefinitely on hold, at least we can enjoy a sort of vicarious attendance of the festivities at the Red House. And George Eliot's remarkable gift for giving a breathing reality to these characters and a palpable authenticity to their settings makes me almost feel as if I were truly there. I could feel Nancy's approach to the party through the treacherous snow-covered pools and puddles which sent up formidable splashings of mud under the stamp of Dobbin's foot. And then, as she entered the house, the buzz of voices mingled with the scrape of a fiddle preluding in the kitchen. I felt the vital presence not just of Nancy and Priscilla, but of all the other characters we encounter throughout the evening's entertainment. The prim Aunt Osgood, with her voice of treble suaveness, her full white muslin kerchief and curls of smooth gray hair in contrast to the gaiety of dress that surrounded her, and her deliberate air of formality meant as a check on Priscilla's roughness. Squire Cass, fulfilling the hereditary duty of being noisily jovial and patronizing by continually forcing his large silver snuff-box in people's faces in an offer they had already repeatedly declined. The nervous Mrs. Crackenthorpe, a small, blinking woman who fidgeted incessantly with her lace ribbons and gold chain, turning her head about and making subdued noises, very much like a guinea pig that twitches its nose and soliloquizes in all company indiscriminately. Does that not conjure a perfectly vivid picture? Dr. Kimball, flitting about the room with his hands in his pockets, making himself agreeable to his feminine patients with medical impartiality. And the good-humored Mrs. Kimball, feeling some pride in a husband who must be regarded as so clever and amusing by the company generally. Solomon Macy, the fiddler, a small, hale old man with an abundant crop of long white hair reaching nearly to his shoulders, who bows reverently to the guests but never stops playing, as much as to say that he respected the company, though he respected the keynote more. And Mr. Macy, seated imperiously on the sidelines, screwing up his mouth, leaning his head further on one side, and twirling his thumbs, before pronouncing judgment on the forms, figures, and character flaws of everyone on the floor before him. Eliot tells us, quote, The charter of Ravelo seemed to be renewed by the ceremony. It was not thought of as an unbecoming levity for the old and middle-aged people to dance a little before sitting down to cards, but rather as part of their social duties. For what were these, if not to be merry at appropriate times, interchanging visits and poultry with due frequency, paying each other old established compliments in sound traditional phrases, passing well-tried personal jokes, urging your guests to eat and drink too much out of hospitality, and eating and drinking too much in your neighbor's house to show that you liked your cheer. As always, her characterization of these villagers is both gently mocking and warmly affectionate, as she highlights why established compliments, traditional phrases, well-tried jokes, hospitality, and cheer are vital elements of a happy human existence. 
That, I think, is what we are supposed to see that Silas was missing. But when we began this novel, I never dreamed that we would be too.